guys, Brian Beeler here at the Storage View Lab. Uh, thanks for joining in on this podcast. We've got an exciting one. I've got a human in the room next to me. Alan, how are you doing? In the room. I know. <laughs> so Alan's with Intel. Why don't you tell the world what you do at Intel? I am uh, a storage technical analyst at Intel. So what? anything like sort of jack of all trades storage, uh, be it Intel platform storage performance, okay. uh, SSD storage performance, uh, not just Intel SSDs, but even uh, you know competitors to Intel, their SSDs on our platforms, right? That's still a thing that needs to be uh, have an eye kept on and make sure okay. that some particular SSD doesn't do something you know unexpected on an Intel platform, right? So there's lots of that other kinds of testing um, that goes on. Uh, any you know performance claims that we want to do, usually that, that sort of stuff comes through me just to do the reality check and make sure, okay, did we did we configure the systems properly? Did we run the tests properly? Are we being fair? You know, that sort of stuff. Okay. So all right. And so today what we're gonna talk about is uh, a little bit more on Gen 5 SSD performance. So Alan's background's perfect for that. And Gen 5 has been coming uh, really hot on the heels of four. I mean the cycle time between PCIe Gen 2 to 3 and 3 to 4 was felt like an eternity. 4 yeah. to 5 has been a light switch. Yeah. Just uh, super rapid. What do you attribute that to, if anything? I, I think there's a lot of borrowed, uh, I don't want to say principles, but just like the, you know, the, the, when they were working on 4, they were thinking about 5, right? So okay. there's just, you know, it's sort of... Better planning? Probably better planning. Probably just like, let's not go so many years between iterations again. But then if you put so much thought into four with the five being the next extension of it, then that sort of, I guess the end result was that the gap closed a little more than we expected on the, t the time period. Well, yeah, well, PCIe SIG's already working very publicly on six, so yeah. it's not as if that's even that far away, right. which is really kind of cool because from a storage perspective, this opens up doubling and doubling of, of potential performance, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's not, you know, Sometimes there's catches or gotchas or things like that where it's like, oh, but it's only in this particular, you know, because of this trick, it's able to kind of get to double the speed or something like that. No, this is pretty much 2x, like just a flat 2x over 4.0, um, which is, you know, the, the only real catches or gotchas is that you're, you start getting to the point where you're going so quickly that you run into diminishing returns on the other things, like the thing that is, you know, the code that's talking to the SSD, the software, right. the, you know, uh, responsiveness of the cores in the CPU, things like that, where even if you're doing relatively large uh, transfer sizes, you're doing so many of them at such a high rate that you start running up against like, oh, I'm, I'm pegging a core, but I'm doing sequential, <laughs> which is usually not the case, right? right? Yeah, usually, you know, for for folks doing storage testing like myself, and even you guys are doing plenty of storage testing, right? Yeah. If you're doing your you know, your random, your IOPS type tests, those are the things where if the device is fast enough, chances are you're gonna need more than one core and you're gonna start rashing up cores for your test system. Sequential, you know, we're used to just, oh yeah, that's just one thread, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost not not the case anymore now because of this. There's just... So what do you, okay, so there's two different things, right? Because, and you've got products sitting here and sorry, this one's a little more visual. So if you're listening, it's worth checking out the video just to see right. some of the stuff that we're talking about. Well, the listeners will, will, if they've been reading any of the news around CES, like Samsung just announced a Gen 5 capable yep. SSD, right? A PM1743. Yep. Um, uh, I think there's some, well, it's, yeah, it's, it, 
the the Faison rep has told me it's safe enough to talk about it now. So if your video goes, we up, talked about it today, yesterday. It's okay. Yeah, the E twenty six, E twenty six. That's another one. This I'm, I'm sure the other vendors, you know, the other uh, SSD makers are going to come in line pretty shortly as well. I'm sure there'll be a Silicon Motion one. There'll be other ones, right? Yes. Um, but yeah, it, this is pretty quick, right? This is well, the. It's not only is it out, yeah, but it's everybody is announcing things. We have. Literally on the table here, we have a, a PM1743 that, that works. Uh, the firmware is not fully baked on it, but it will pretty much saturate Gen 5 sequentially. We'll just see about showing that as well in, in, in this conversation too. Right. Uh, Fizon, for me, so we had Sebastian Jean on from, from Fizon. Mm -hmm. We did a pod with him a couple ago. I'll link to it in the uh, description for this one. They're taking Gen 5 really seriously their e18 controller in the client space was super strong we saw a lot of ssds from seagate uh corsair kingston come out on that platform really great performance mm -hmm. it reminded me of sandforce though well, remember that back in the day sandforce yeah. was in everything yeah you know, absolutely like, yeah 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 so, and now well i mean for Fizon, it's really exciting and if you don't have a fab it's really exciting because now i could take this reference design and immediately go to gen 5. Yeah, it helps with adoption oh I mean, it, it should be there close to day one is that your expectation um probably i think i'm not sure how this is going to actually play out um because i haven't been keeping tab a lot of tabs on it with respect to like power consumption but i would think that like i mean we have a, a, a demo piece right here we have an m.2 you know e26 mm -hmm. I just think that you're getting to the point where you might not be able to get away without a heat spreader or possibly a heat sink. Well, it's an interesting thing because, right, on the M.2 specifically, heat dissipation, m most of it is through the connector. Uh, yeah. And then, or there'll be a pad half. between the board. Yeah. You know, sometimes you see those little, oh, I can't show it on this system. but No, but on, on modern on modern gaming boards, mm -hmm. they'll normally have two or three slots on the board yep. covered with their own little squishy piece sticky piece and then a metal thing on top yep um and maybe half goes out through the connector and half goes through the heat heat sink and in that in that model the heat sink is part of the board design mm -hmm. um so that's going to be important i don't think to your point we're going to see bare m.2 just kind of chilling loose in a system without either an included heat sink or some additional heat dissipation device on top right and the funny thing about that is that, for the most part, the reason you even need that is for the edge case where someone's running like a benchmark. For guys like us? For, for guys like us, yeah. Uh, because for the most part, like especially if it's a mobile system, uh, where are you even going to get the data from or send the data to, to for you to be able to peg something at upwards of you know almost 14 gigabytes per second? Well, I'm right. sure it's pretty edge, right? But some yeah. of the data scientists, AI, ML guys that are doing that on mobile workstations, mm -hmm. again, it's not millions of people, but dozens probably. Right, right. But, but even at that, like at that high of a data rate, I mean, you're getting to the point where you could just go the whole SSD front to back in under a minute. So it's just, I mean, it's just super fast, right? Um, so in that case, in many, in many, uh, in many ways for many workloads, the bottleneck is really going to start pushing the other way onto either the thing that's processing the data or, you know, if you have a mobile workstation system, chances are just even workstation class system still, but mobile form factor, there's just not enough compute there to even 
you know, be able to chew through seven, you know, 14 gig per second. Okay, so that brings up the point on client systems. Right. Who cares about Gen 5? And so that's that's where I'm kind of still a little bit, you know, I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. I wouldn't be surprised to see plenty of, like, mobile, uh, just your kind of -of run-of-the-mill average Joe mobile systems. They might move to Gen 5, but I wouldn't be shocked to see, like, just two lanes of Gen 5. Okay. Right, so, yes, it's the same as your previous, you know, uh, Gen 4 by 4 SSD that would have been installed in there as well, right? But you could drop it to two lanes. You could potentially use those lanes for something else. You're more lane efficient, mm-hmm. right? And at the same time, if you're only using two of those lanes, uh, potentially you're doing it, you know, the same or maybe better power consumption on the SSD side, on the device side. Well, on, on portables, power consumption is obviously huge. Right. So right. if you could do something there, then... then that's better. Yeah, it just it just gets to the point where it's like, do you really need to do that much power consumption involved with transferring that much data that quickly for just like a, you know, your your grandma's checking email kind of system? No, because right? they're going to run some right. six seventy or something in them and be fine, or yeah, your H twenty or whatever. That's right? true too. Yeah, but eventually, like I mean, as those products phase out, like five years from now, what's going to be in your simple? Check the emails. Gosh, system. we'll all be living in hologram universe. Well, then. hopefully, but <laughs> for you, but what SSDs are going to be in our computers, right? Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Okay. So we think about that. Then on the PC side, obviously, the first thing is gamers, mm-hmm. media and entertainment people, uh, engineers, architects using heavy, you know, CAD files, things like that that need to move things around right. to local systems for processing or or interaction. So some of the motherboard makers have already kind of been leaning in that direction just for with respect to gen 5 ssds and the m.2 form factor right because if you look through all the various z690 ports that are out now you'll see some of them the system we have here happens to be a sort of one of the other configs than what i'm referencing here where for this particular system uh since i have two of these samsung drives they're in a u.2 form factor they just don't slot into an m.2 slot yes um we have to use these special add-in card adapters to plug them in. So this system ha- is set up in such a way where both two of the standard PCI slots will connect at you know 5.0, right? But there are plenty of other more gaming-oriented. Uh, you know, it's it almost seems like a around 50% of the boards are maybe a little bit shy of that. But instead of uh, having the second slot able to go Gen 5, they will sort of repurpose those lanes and those lanes will go to what they what is like called not the primary m.2 slot but they will have an m.2 slot that uses four out of the eight lanes that would be like the second so they'll max the the lanes to one um well no they'll they'll give they'll have an m.2 slot that gets four 5.0 lanes on it oh okay right um it's just you have to really look at the specs for those boards to see that oh okay this particular one has is this variation where it, it does that the, the 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 catch is that you don't get a second graphics capable slot that it runs at 5.0 this is going right? to be they a, just sort of rearrange them this could be a little bit of a nightmare for the systems guys dell hp whatever because they're the yeah, yeah, you, the have disclosure, pick, you have to pick a direction. Right, disclosures right. for what you want to do. And maybe actually maybe it helps them maybe dell on alienware does something different with their configurations than on uh, latitude and, and precision, right. for instance. Yeah, and it's, I can see why they're torn because like they, so I'm pretty thrilled with, on Z690 because I think it's like, we've kind of finally got it right with respect to the flexibility of the storage, 
Okay. Connectivity, right? A, the, the chipset has a higher link. So now you're not so much in a, even if you decide to put a, a few NVMe SSDs in a RAID, you're not running into bottlenecks as easily, okay. right? You have more, more bandwidth to the CPU that way. Um, the, there's more flexibility with respect to how you can array the drives. Well, if you think back to X299, where it's like, oh, if you want to boot from the array, it has to be within one, this thing called a VMD, and there's all these extra little gotchas and, and, and tricks and conditions. Whereas now, Z690, you could pretty much put your M.2 SSDs either off of the chipset or off of the, there's a 4.0 by 4 dedicated off the CPU, mm -hmm. right? You can actually mix and match those. You can have an array of, you can have like, if you had one slot that happened to be off the chipset and the other one was off the CPU, it's less than ideal because the latencies are a little bit different, but you could actually do an bootable RAID like across, you know, those two devices, yeah. right? Which previously wasn't an option, wasn't something you could do easily. Or maybe even not at all, depending on the on the on the system. But there's all this extra flexibility now, where there's even like some of these ASUS boards that I've I've seen where there's enough M.2 slots on it where you can have three NVMe M.2s PCH attached, and then one or even potentially two more M.2s in the system. One of them using Gen 5 lanes, and the other one using the 4.0 CPU lanes. Okay. So there's all this extra flexibility there, with respect to how you you know do your storage connectivity. Um, but again, the more options you know the OEM has, it might lead to some confusion with okay, well, which how many different configurations do they want to spin off? Well, right. I mean, the gaming guys already make various iterations of boards depending on what price band they want to target. Yeah, and the mainstream, I don't even think you can worry much about the mainstream with Gen Five. It'll either be there or not, but those users aren't typically going to be aware of that or want to make the investment. So we'll see it strata out by price band too, right? Right. Yeah. There's it's spread out that way, but it's it's I don't want to say it's confusing. It's just that there's more of a need for you to do your research before if you're DIYing a system, you really need to look into some of those other details now because there's even more, you know, variation of more SKUs available for this particular generation of board because of that extra added flexibility that was there and, and what those motherboard makers are doing with it. So what's the enablement required for Gen 5? It's not, I mean, there's a couple of different things, right? There's, right? there's new technology coming down for both client and enterprise in terms of next-gen processors, but mm -hmm. talk about what the requirements are. Will people be able to BIOS update old boards and now they're Gen 5 capable? Or, or, and then maybe talk a little bit about this system specifically, what you have to do to get Gen 5. Oh, for, for everything I've seen so far, it's all been, okay, where are those, those particular sets of lanes physically wired? It's, okay. It's simply down to that. So that's a right. prior design decision that's already obviously been made in, in shipping product. Yes. For okay. To have any additional flexibility, folks would have to install a MUX or just some other sort of chip on the board to route those lanes to different places if they wanted to, right? But as it is... Uh, you know, in the case of the 12th gen Intel CPUs that have those 5.0 lanes on them, they have 16 of them, and then what you want to do with them is sort of up to you as a, as a designer, you know, of, a, of, a, of a, either a system or a motherboard. Now, the CPUs, I believe, are being shown off this week at CES. I, I don't the 12th know. gen? Yeah. I mean, they've, they've been out. Yeah. Well, they had yeah. a couple more SKUs or, or something. I, I don't follow the CPU. There's 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 some talk about an S SKU which we've done in the past where you have like a even higher clocks on something, mm -hmm. right? I'm not sure what level of detail is out on that, but I I do know that it an S SKU you know an S class like CPU was discussed like mm -hmm. just a faster one. 
And that's, you know, just pushing clocks higher, in this case, getting up to like a turbo of 5.5 gigahertz, which is pretty fancy for something that is not like considered an overclock, like it's out of the box. This will do right. some number of cores at 5.5 gigahertz, which is pretty cool. So for existing boards that people already have that want to get a Gen 5 SSD whenever they're available, mm -hmm. just knowing where to put it is probably the most important thing. Right. You're either going to have a board that had, uh, you know, some number of lanes sort of ported over to an M.2 slot. So that would be your, your easiest for your average Joe. Probably sort of, you know, zero on most of these, I would guess, but I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, well, so the way it ends up working out, like, logically, like, as far as how the how it presents to the system or how the system like enumerates things. It's, yeah, it would show up as the first device because it's actually uh, what would normally be the second GPU slot, oh, right? Because okay. it's the 16 lanes that you can split into eight and eight. And in the case of those boards that are routing Gen 5 capable lanes to an M.2 slot, they're just taking, uh, you know, when you install that SSD, the GPU drops down to eight lanes instead of 16 and it takes the other eight uses the first four, puts them on the M.2. So it's a lot of lane uh, management, which yeah, is yeah, going to yeah. be interesting. It, there's there's that piece of it. There's um, there's also the fact that currently with these configurations, if you're not, you know, remember, you still do have a set of dedicated 4.0 lanes for storage, mm -hmm. right? Which doesn't use the chipset. They're, they go straight to the CPU as well. But if you want the faster lanes, the compromise is that you're, you're now taking half of the lanes away from the GPU. Right, which might be an issue in most of the testing that I've seen or done myself. If you're already going, you know, if you have a 5.0, you know, PCI 5.0 capable GPU, and you drop it to half the number of lanes, well, now you're the equivalent of 4.0 by 16, first yeah. of all, right? And also, like in a lot of testing we've done, 4.0 by 16, even that, with like the heaviest, craziest GPU workloads, was still plenty of bandwidth. Like you could even cut that in half and be hard-pressed to even notice a difference, you know, for most of the things you would do, right? So with the, flex, with the extra speed of 5.0, you're probably even more likely to get away with that GPU-wise. Um, so you can afford to give up half the lanes if you wanted to, to have crazy fast storage and crazy fast GPU, you know, in the same system. The same box, yeah. Right. So we talked a little bit about heat becoming an increased... Uh, challenge the faster we go yeah you're just going faster it's it's the same that applies to to network cards yeah right? any anything faster yeah, yeah, fire heat. breathing super fast nick it's going to have you know a perpetually larger heat sink on it and higher airflow requirements and things like that power envelope on the client drives first mm -hmm. compared to gen 4 what's what's different there in terms of power consumption if if any so gen 4 was already kind of running up against other limits not so much cooling but you're only supplying a 3.3 volts in an m.2 slot mm -hmm. and the pins are only rated for so much current the spec is only so high right. it's around six maybe seven amps or, or, and after, sorry watts right and after that you can do no more and that's that's all the system is rated to provide the device right yeah. um so i think you know some of the early gen 5 devices might be a little bit of a balancing act there as far as you can control how much power the device consumes. You know the phi, the actual thing speaking Gen 5, it's going to consume some X amount of power, right? Um, those things might just have to dynamically sort of control, you know, within that power budget. Even if cooling is not the issue, power delivery is still the issue. You only get so much total. So, uh, 
you know, I don't want to say that they would have to cut corners to do it, but they're going to have to make some sort of a compromise or be more dynamic about how they control how much power is going where. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking along the lines of system builders that are very aware of how big their power supply needs to be to accommodate all of their system components. Yeah, Any yeah. other design considerations there? I mean, there's that probably shouldn't change because... You know, the, the prior gen SSDs were already close to the max of what you okay. can draw on that 3.3 line anyway. And remember, overall, it's only 6 or 7 watts. So in terms of... A total system, it's not. Yeah, a total system is nothing, right? Right. Um, you know, when you get into laptops, things like that, it's much more significant. Although, it's only significant when the SSD is doing that burst, right? Because most of the time, it's going to be idle in a very, very low power state, mm -hmm. right? Um, th that's one place where... You know, you might think, well, what on earth are you going to do with that 14 gig per second? Well, if you if you do your power budgeting correctly, like on the device level, on the device side, the SSD controller, if you do this thing called hurry up and wait, right, which is much more applicable to the client than the enterprise, mm -hmm. right? But you know, yes, you're you're using more power, but how many total watt hours worth of you know total power, not current, but like the total power consumption to say read one gigabyte worth of data, right? Yeah. And so the Gen 5 devices, even though they might use more power in that moment where it's doing the data transfer, the total power usage to complete a transfer of the same size mm -hmm. might actually be lower. Interesting. Right? Because it's, you know, the, yes, the bus uses more juice, but you but got done for less better. period of time. Yeah, less time, right? And there's also, there's more advanced things like dynamically adjusting the number of active lanes. Like that's actually a thing that can mm -hmm. be done on PCI where does it, does, does it need, you know, yes, it's 5.0. Does it need all four lanes to be hot at the same time? Okay. Right. Uh, so like a scale up down based on. You could, right? Like the systems only, you know, if you get more, as you get more and more advanced with controller technologies and firmwares and things like that, you could potentially figure out things like, oh, I'm, that guy's just streaming a video from the disc. Mm -hmm. I'm only doing, you know, I'm never, I never need to go 14 gig per second ever in this workload. Well, maybe I can just be a little more intelligent about it and only use one lane only intermittently just give that person the next little chunk of, of video data, right? But you yeah. start getting into really advanced things where you have to sort of have more context, right? Like the system has to actually understand that, oh, I am streaming video, which is kind of hard for just the device itself, like the SSD controller itself, to sort of get a lock on that you're doing it. It may not know that, but the system knows what system the active knows. processes are. Right. Windows knows, or right. Linux, or whoever knows. You know, yes. This activity, this activity typically is you know this kind of workload. Yeah, yeah. And those are the types of things that, you know, there's still plenty of room to for, you know, sort of the PC ecosystem as a whole to advance with that sort of storage stuff. Right. It just it takes more, you know, more grasp of the technology, more taking advantage of the, the, the knobs and the switches and the dials that you can turn, um, you know, trying to make things better. So on the client side, we're going to be looking mostly at M.2, although um, the Fizon E86 does have a, a reference board that's an add-in card, yep. which is not something we've seen a lot of. Um, that's Gosh. probably, judging by the pads there for the power loss caps, I'm assuming that board is probably more meant for light data enterprise. center or okay. light enterprise or workstation or something, right? Um, granted, I'm sure they're going to have U.2, right? Which, uh, case in point, there's the Samsung part there right there, which is U.2. They're also going to have the, what is it, the E3.S? Yep. 
right? Um, it looks a lot like this, a little skinnier, a little different. Yeah, looks right like that, except the connector sort of sticks off as if it was like a mini PCI card. Yeah. Instead of the U.2, which is uh, it, the pins are inside. Right. Um, so I mean, you know, all the stuff's coming, but I, you know, like what normally happens, it comes on the data center side first, you know, or the workstation side first. Um, Gen so, four is still plenty fast for for client, <laughs> right? For client, um, and even a, you know most enterprise applications, right? right? Not until you're getting into some big data analytics and things like that can you really take advantage necessarily of all the uh, throughput available. Right, and that's the other thing that you have to realize, the media has to also come along for the ride. So you're only gonna have so many dies, so much NAND on a particular thing. Yes, you can make the bus faster, but you know those devices are probably not gonna do uh, 14 gig per second writes, as an example, mm -hmm. right? Because we're, you know, you, you can make you can make it faster, but the media, you know, you do shift the bottlenecks elsewhere. So you have to balance. Is it meaningful to make this particular product go Gen five speed, given the other pieces parts, you know, in that device, or even on the system side? Right? Does the system even? Yeah, I mean, eventually it? it'll get to the point where it just is because it's yes. cheaper to produce the Gen five part than to maintain the legacy uh, right. connector right. interface. Right. So on the enterprise side. With something like the Samsung Drive, what what do you think that does in terms of system design, system challenges, innovation opportunities for the server guys? What do you think about that? I think the biggest advantage there is just doing more with the lanes you have, right? That's you know we just talked about a server which was may or may not be in a video that you've already posted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depending on timing, we don't know. Right. Um, but there was a server where super we had micro, a, yeah, tons super, of lanes. super micro server, a whole bunch of lanes going to the front panel. Uh, you know, you could either have that same number of lanes with just doubling the, the throughput, right? Which would be handy, or you can use a lot less of them. You can get away with potentially fewer devices, fewer U.2 devices installed in the server, mm -hmm. uh, as long as the capacity was there. If you were worried more about the performance, potentially, or just specifically the bandwidth, now you can cut your your devices in half that are installed in the front panel. Right, and then you just freed up half of your lanes to do other things, and maybe half of your rack footprint. Honestly, if you're if you're able to do that and consolidate down to one use or or right. twin one use, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity from a density standpoint. Right. Well, realize that that effect compounds, right? If you, as as the whole ecosystem moves from Gen four to Gen five, not only have four less device, you know, less devices, uh, less space for devices installed in the front, potentially fewer lanes used per device for the stuff installed in the rear. As well, right? You have a neck that needed half the width mm -hmm. as the previous one. You can get away with crazy hundred gigabit necks that might only, you know, what you, what, how far could you down? Could you potentially go four or eight lanes or something on like a hundred gigabit neck if it was Gen five, right? Because you just you're able to move that data on fewer lanes, and then again that frees up those lanes to do other things. even other things, right? Um, you could potentially have us. I'm sure there are some crazy server builds out there where they just needed to do another socket just for the sake of lanes, potentially, right? And so yeah. for, for those cases, the next generation, you could potentially drop down to one socket, which would be cool. And that's, that's that, that extends you into the things you were talking about where you can shrink way down into a 1U and then you no, can we're, we're scale out. We're seeing that, yeah. yeah. Especially in the enterprises, as we look at Ruler, there's a lot of E1S systems mm -hmm. that having 24 of those in a 1U is less advantageous in their designs 
than having 12 and 12 go to two separate distinct systems. There right. could be one proc, but we've seen some cool stuff with two also, Yeah, where you really need the computing power with the right affinity to data placement and, mm -hmm. and data capacity. It, it gets really scientific at a certain point once you understand the workload. Yeah, yeah, but Gen 5 is just gonna be one of those things that contributes to that, you know, miniaturization, further miniaturization yeah. Yeah. of a node in a rack, you know, you'll be able to connect things quicker, fewer lanes, smaller footprint, and then that just lets you add another one of those right alongside of it. Chunk and another just scale out that way. So right. we'll be running data centers on NUCs that are Xeon uh, powered? I mean, a NUC is a thing that is like one of those things where lanes is, it's hard to get a lot of lanes connected to a lot of things in a NUC, right? It's mm -hmm. a super tiny box. Yeah, it's a, right? And and many square, yeah, and especially even if you go back to like where the Nooks had like SATA SSDs in them, like they, some of them would have they try to like make it a little taller and put a little cage in it where you can have oh you can do RAID of two SATA drives. And yeah. Could, why would you do that? Well, not necessarily just for capacity. You want more bandwidth. So potentially, you know, now you've got that Nook that only fits one M.2. Well, if it was Gen five, now it can go fast. Joke about the Nooks, but we have seen them deployed as HCI nodes. I oh mean, yeah. They're, they're, they're yeah. really pretty flexible for those little. Devils. Yeah, even like back when I was doing the, the PC per thing with Ryan Shroud, we had for the longest time the office NAS was just a nook. <laughs> it's just a nook sitting like with some drives connected to it. Like I think it was like a USB drobo or something plugged into a nook at one point. I'm not sure you should be admitting this. this no, this is... was this was before I moved to the office and, and uh no, changed. No, I, yeah, I'm aware. This is in a for, <laughs> a former life. Yeah, a former, former life. life. Um I'm still not sure I would admit that, especially ah, the, you know. the Drobo piece. Ugh. That was like, you just putting things, this was way early days on Drobo. This is like where the only Drobo was like the USB one, like the first Their one. Their original out. Drobos were sick because you could put whatever you wanted in those things. Yeah. It would just chunk them up and had a pretty UI. Yeah. And, and that was, and again, things have clearly come a long way in other aspects of, of storage technology since then to where yes. you don't necessarily need to go that route anymore. But Back then, that was amazing. You have a thing with four drive bays, and it didn't care, like you said, it didn't care what you put in. It just kind of make it just worked. And if you didn't, you know, you didn't have to have a person who even knew what they were doing. Right? It was, it was dead simple. Just stick the drives yeah. in. They blink for a little bit. It comes up and it shows up as a device, and you just put it's, your files on it. Right. It's funny because we were talking about in here the other day. We've got not many small hard drives left, but we've got eight or ten. Random. There are no two that are the same. Mm -hmm. Between one and four terabyte, they're just kind of cluttering around. Yeah. And I was talking to Kevin. I'm like, "What do we? We got to do something. There, are, there must be something with these things. Yeah, something put useful. In, put in a Drobo. Like that's still that, the answer. That like, would be the ten, even ten today, years later. Yeah, yeah, that would be the simplest <laughs> way to just. I just want to use all these drives in a redundant fashion, in, right? In some and way, I, yeah. and I don't want to think about it. There, sure, yeah. there's there's ways you could you could do some stuff on Linux. You could do you know oh, there's I some. Know. There's, there's tools out there. There's people, I'm sure. Well, it, it, you could you could do that. There's even some other, you know, uh, I want to say, well, it is kind of DIY-ish, but there's other stuff out there, maintain, projects maintained by folks just on GitHub or whatnot that, mm -hmm. you know, will do surprising things while they put those drives together. But you got to know what you're doing with Linux, steep learning curve, even for that tool, you know, and then you got to trust that it's code written by somebody or you're gonna really gonna trust your data to that thing necessarily. And there's no support for it. Yeah, there's Probably. zero support, right. <laughs> Whereas, again, sometimes it's just, it just makes sense. For the longest time I used the Drobo as a backup device for my own personal system, just because I knew it could be just be a box off in the corner somewhere that I didn't really have to pay attention to. 
And it yeah. was just showed up on, you know, it was a, it was a, a network style one. Not yeah, old I, yeah I remember one, when they added the, the gigabit on the back. Yeah, yeah, they had a gigabit on the back and I just had it like it mounted as a remote, you know, iSCSI on the network. And I just threw <laughs> stuff on it occasionally and that was it, right? This has nothing to do with Gen 5, but it is a funny Drobo aside. So I don't know if you remember... <laughs> But they actually made a little rail kit for Drobos yeah. so they could mount them in a rack. I have installed them. Well, but they're they're half length and there's no support on the back, right? Yeah. So you, you put this thing in the rack and what were those things? Three U or were they four U big? They uh, were I think it, I think it took a four. Whatever. So they were kind of thick, right? But but they had the ears that were like, yeah. you know, like this this wide. They had the ear mounts and you put yeah. them in a rack and the ass end of it kind of sags down because yeah, there's no the support. Ears, the ears yeah, yeah. and then they yeah. twist, they torque out, and they sag down. So I was talking to a Drobo guy at, at uh, this time. I got food poisoning in Las Vegas. Oh, great. Um, but before that, we had this conversation, and he was saying they worked with some players in the media and entertainment space, uh -huh. which was code for porn at the time. Um, that had those as their storage devices, but they put them end to end because they sat, they were short and in the rack and they sat oh, they down. Using both sides. They were using both sides of the rack and they were running the cabling stack down the center because it was the cheapest way for them to get That's true. hard drive storage in a resilient way back then. Yeah. Uh, but true. if you can imagine how bad those ear brackets were, a full rack, both sides with the butts yeah. sagging into the middle. Was, yeah. It must have been something to see. I mean, it was around that time when those were out that I had, for the Navy, I had assembled a couple of racks worth of storage gear for them to do. I worked at a command where they did a, a you know, anybody, any computer that got compromised or somebody hacked into something somewhere on, anywhere on the Navy's network, we would, you know, send us your hard drive, right? And then we were, it was basically a data forensics lab, right? So we needed a server to ingest all these hard drive right. images, right? And it was... I don't know what it was like Apple Sand or something at the time they had. Yeah, that thing was like bubble gum and scotch tape. Like if you looked at it wrong, the thing would just go just down and it. just collapse on itself. And I was just like, we got to do something better than that. So then they were. I basically just talked them into like they started looking at like, oh, we're gonna do a contract for you know we have to get bids from people and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, go through the procurement. The process. typical procurement yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. And like I looked at these quotes and everything, and I was like, do you have any idea how much storage you could? like roll your own for this if you just bought some of those like shenbro mm -hmm. you know shenbro at that time made like a 9u that was like a 48 or a 50 bay 9u yeah right oh gosh and and so and they were like a couple of grand or something just ridiculously cheap you still had to you know do your own like buy an arica card or something you know just to like plumb it all it's in. just so funny right. though in 4u you, you can get in a standard length 4u server you can get 102 i think out of uh, yeah. seagate or viking or any of these guys that, yeah with compute it's, it's not computed. it's not even just a jbot right it actually has a little server in there yeah too. no this thing was a bare bones yeah. like you had to you had to install the board yourself and it was like not even server board. It was like desktop board. They just put a pocket on the back for you with like a standard desktop power supply in, in a rack mount, you know, yeah. chassis. But it was like such a hybrid kind of thing. But yeah, like we, you know, we ultimately ended up like they were worried about, oh, well, you know, if we do the contract, then we, we get support and everything. Well, I'll, I'll build you two instead. Or like more. If you're, yeah. yeah, for the cost of like just the support contract, I was like, if you're worried one's going to go down, we'll just make another. And we ended up just, we only needed one rack, but we ended up just building two. Right. 
right? And so just just you for could. redundancy, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's the military they usually have that sort of, especially my submarine background. Usually there's two of everything anyway. So well, now with all these object stores and all yeah. these things, you can get triple, quintuple parity, whatever you want, right? Across right. racks or right. or the cloud, obviously. It's but it was just so too. comical that like. We had to jump through all those hoops to like get this thing set up, and we're using hardware RAID cards, and because CFS wasn't quite far enough along for me to be comfortable, right? Like doing it in a way where I was just going to hand it off, because if you're in the Navy, you don't stay at one place for forever. Oh, that's a good point. The support so, mechanism yeah, it needed, changes. Yeah, just other people needed to be trained up on it, and we couldn't like teach people ZFS like random sailors that just got out of high school and like here you're gonna. Learn how to not destroy this data set by accident. Joe, Joe, Joe. Yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go. Um, so we just, you know, did it more dead simple and like Windows with a reek of hardware RAID cards, which is one big hunk in volume, and then another big hunk in volume on the other side. And I even got it set up with like Windows Server doing like the, I forget what they called it back then, but where it would just, it would keep everything in sync mm -hmm. across like two separate systems mm -hmm. with one volume, right? Um, that was all cool back then, but even then we had one of those Drobos with the ears installed in each rack, and that was the backup for the server. And we would just throw drives in and, and literally did like a sneaker net offsite, sort of hybrid offsite backup where it was actually written in a procedure where, you know, install this set of eight drives, mm -hmm. run your backup, pull the pull drives, them, yeah. stick them in this, you know, Pelican case, and go move, bring them over to the other building on the other side of the base or whatever. Just like move these over here and still. You know, it's still hard for data transfer to beat a geek in a <laughs> minivan or station so wagon or sailor sticking whatever. in the back of his Honda Civic. Whatever, right? You can fit more terabyte in a in an old Civic than, yeah. than you can in Amazon's <laughs> Snowball or whatever. Whoa. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think we just did nine minutes on Drobo. Yeah. While we're talking Gen Five, I don't even know SSDs. if they're still making new stuff anymore. I haven't heard from them in a long time. <laughs> they are around. <laughs> I know they're around. I don't know if there's new stuff. Yeah. yeah. CS right. news cycle. All right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're hot Drobo tech. <laughs> Drobo tech. Nine-year-old Drobo tech. <laughs> All right. So for this Samsung part, you're putting it in an adapter card. Talk about how that works with this system. Uh, this is relatively straightforward. Uh, Serial Cables makes, they've made these adapter cards for a while. Oh, they make amazing uh, things for people at the edge of new technology. This is certainly at the edge of new technology. For example, this adapter card actually has a one of the newer style PCI power connectors that you see on the new NVIDIA oh, GPUs. Yeah. Just for debug purposes, in case the system happened to only have that available instead of SATA power. Okay. And the only reason this card has those external power connectors anyway is it's meant more for debug. There's all sorts of jumpers on it. Yeah, yeah we've seen this. We, we, I think we've got an M.2 sled that's got like physical switches on it yeah. where you can you know, force some of those test right. states. And, and that's meant for some, you know, you're trying to do uh, off. You need the drive to actually be offline. The system needs to be off. You need to do some sort of a firmware update through JTAG or whatnot. You mm -hmm. just need some other way to power the drive. That's that's why they sort of make these, these cards the way that they are. So... We only bought those because there wasn't a simpler solution out yet. The serial cables guy beat everybody else to the punch with having a Gen 5 capable adapter. But so you've got two of them set up in this uh, workstation, right? Yep, we've got two of the Samsung drives, two of the adapters, and a motherboard that happens to be that alternate configuration I was talking about where it has Gen 5 lanes to two of the standard slots and no Gen 5 lanes are going to the M.2 slots, which we needed for this particular config because all of our Gen 5 stuff is, is, is standard. 
For okay. anyone that cares, what do you know what board it is? Do you remember? It's the I think it's the Asus uh, Apex board. Okay. There's some other words in there before, but Apex <laughs> is the yeah. They, it's like Maxima something Apex. And okay. It, yeah, it's that that one that just happens to be that that particular layout. Um, there's other boards that have a similar layout. We just that was the one we happened to grab to do the demo. Um, this is this is in the we we were hoping to bring to CES in person to have as a demo the typical thing where you guys would be going around, but until you know and many other companies pulled out because of events yeah. right and so i figured well let's not let the system go to waste and so ryan did a video of this you know with i think single drive performance he put on twitter mm -hmm. and then i figured well what the heck we live you know the guys can't come to ces i can probably bring the demo to to them to a couple of them so cool i, I went down to wendell Yesterday, a level one tax, and mm -hmm. I'm here with you. And I think those are the only two folks that I know of that are within uh, within Kentucky, within right. Kentucky, Kentucky slash Cincinnati driving distance. Yeah. All right, we're gonna fire this thing up and show the performance of these two drives and see what this thing can do. We're just take a uh, uncharacteristic break in the pod, move some stuff around, and then come right back. All right, so welcome back. What we've done is run power and HDMI to this system. It's blue, so that must mean it's running. Nice. Your cable management's actually pretty exquisite there for That's, a test system. I mean, it kind of just slapped it together. And it's actually a little worse for the wear now that I keep bringing, throwing it in the back of my car and dragging it around. It's because you're a terrible driver. Well, you know, what, I wasn't supposed to autocross all the way here? Well, I don't care how you get here. I'm just glad you're here. Okay. All right, so we've got both of the uh, 1743s. Yes. 1743s in the system. They're in the Serial Tech cards. They're in the two uh, designated PCIe Gen 5 lane areas. And what, did you get an email? No, I'm checking to make sure it's 1743. Oh, <laughs> good fact check in the middle of the yes. thing. <laughs> uh, and so we're, we've got them set up. You're running some myometer. Let's go take a look at that. Talk talk to us about what we've got. And, and understand that this is a, a pre-production, not even alpha drive. What do we call this I thing? I mean, yeah, this is very early firmware for, for this uh, for these Samsung drives. Uh, but despite that, they are able to pretty much saturate uh, Gen 5 by 4. Um, and so this is two, each one doing about 14,000 apiece, right? Yeah, it's 14 gigabytes a second from each one. It's a little over 14. We have that sitting down there on, on Task Manager. I have looking at just one of the drives so you can see the number there, but the iometer is showing the total with its little speedometer thing there, and that's running around 28 gig per second. Uh, you know, neatly double. Uh, this interesting thing about this config is that uh, Ryan did the demo initially. He posted a video and he only had one drive in, and it actually did only like 13.7, thir 13.8. So not quite 14. Not quite 14 from just one drive. Right. And the reason we're actually getting, you know, for most of the time, over 14 from each drive with two of them actually comes down to that this is a complete default config. Like we did zero performance tuning. This is slapped the system together. Didn't even take it out of balanced mode. It's still as, as default as you could possibly get. So in that case, if you're only doing one sequential transfer with one drive, even though you have one core that's loaded pretty high, uh, you still do have most of the time the system is waiting for the interrupt from the SSD and like there's a lot of that sort of idle state mm -hmm. going on, right? Um, and if you load it down even further by doing that, you know, max uh, transfer rate to both drives, it actually wakes the system up even a little bit further in its, in its default state. So we get even better throughput. 
you know, we might be able to get even a little higher than that number if we went through and like did some server style tuning and disable CMP states. And oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you might get a squeeze a little more out, but we're pretty close to the bleeding edge there as far as that, you know, there's probably not much idle time going on on, on those PCI buses. Well, we're, you're doing nothing else in the system. You're just running these uh, nice large blocks, sequential read and yeah. letting the drives kind of, this is their happiest place. It is, especially for this particular firmware. This is like this is the sweet spot. Uh, you know, when you when drives are more optimized, they'll, they'll then you'll be able to throw whatever workload you want at them, and they would do fine, and you know, usually be within their spec and whatnot. But yeah, we're super early on this, so this is really the only thing that will properly show off, you know, the capabilities of Gen Five and and the fact that this platform can can do that much throughput. Um, you know, well, to drive credit Samsung though too for being willing to let you come out and, and oh, show this yeah. capability. Yeah, they were super helpful. We, we came to them and just said, hey, we'd like to show Gen 5 SSDs It's at, you know, for CES content. Do you guys have anything? Absent CES. <laughs> well, Here we are. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, CES kind of got aborted a little bit there, but we reached out to them again and said, hey, I'd like to bring this around to some folks and show them. They were happy to do that too. So, Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for for doing that and bringing that system over and, and hanging out a little bit. So as, as we wrap up the the conversation on Gen Five, what are what are your two or three takeaways for for high end performance users who think they can benefit from a Gen Five SSD when they hit the market for client in the next I don't know, somewhere four, five, six months, somewhere in there? What what what's the takeaway? Well, it's it's going to be a niche sort of really high end power user thing in the first place. Right, so okay. get that out of the out of the way right away because there's plenty of really solid Gen Four drives out there. There's not this urgent need where everybody is just starved for bandwidth and they're just you know, most people that have a Gen Four SSD are probably not even using that to the full capabilities of, of oh of, yeah absolutely either yeah. right. Um, however, if you have some folks that are doing more, you know, content creation sort of thing where they're actually getting a lot of throughput to the device and where they might actually notice um, a, a difference or some benefit. Probably the folks that right now are running some form of a RAID of maybe two Gen 4 drives, right? If that kind of person wants to do a build where they don't have, want to have to worry about the RAID, that would be the person that would probably you know, pick up a single Gen 5 drive when those are available, right? Um, you know, you're going to get most of, the, most of the same sort of benefits, but just added simplicity because you just stick one drive in and, and it just does the thing. It's right. not your job, but do you have any sense of price impact of Gen 5 specifically on these? It's, I would guess that it would be similar to, you know, from Gen 3 to Gen 4. Like, at that time when that happened, mm -hmm. and you saw the Gen 4 drive start coming, and there was some so A some little sort premium, but not double. I don't think it would be double. Because the media cost isn't going to change. Right. I think, there, I think it might be a little bit more disproportionate in, in, like, the more expensive direction for Gen 5 or Gen 4, just because it's going to be that much more niche. Fewer models produced, fewer, fewer, models, fewer yeah, yeah. volume, like that sort of thing. At least initially, and I, I just think the ramp up because there was such a, a quick cadence from, you know, from four to five, that there's plenty of folks that have just now upgraded to a four, like a four point yeah. drive, right? So they're not gonna immediately scramble and go and run out, and so there's you know the adoption's probably gonna be slower. There's just a lot of things sort of working against it, just because it's it's so fast, so quickly. Uh, for you know, for single Until device, PlayStation maybe. Six comes out or whatever. That uh... well, so even thinking about that, like there, there was that amazing presentation that those PlayStation 
folks did where they were talking about, okay, you know, not, here's this device that can go this fast, but most of their presentation was explaining how they're able to even fully utilize that speed, right? So they had to do a lot of purpose built or purpose design, software and hardware and firmware, all those things had to line up yeah. perfectly just to be able to do what's actually not full bandwidth even for Gen 4. It's actually like a gig or two per second shy. You know, it's, it doesn't go seven. I think it goes like five or five and a half or something, right? Gig per second. Still um, tremendous. Still, still amazing, yeah. right? Um, and some of that stuff is also coming down the pike on the PC side with respect to direct storage and like Microsoft's trying to do that. Yes, it's a little bit of catch up from the PlayStation example, but clearly mm -hmm. they showed hey, this is beneficial to the person if you actually go through the legwork of making all these things, the whole pipeline that optimized, right? Yeah. So good good on Microsoft for you know picking up the queue there, and, and now they're working on it. Um, but even so, like, again, going back to the PlayStation's example, are they really going to redesign? You know, they would need more than double the capability of all the texture decompression, all the other things in their whole pipeline to take advantage of a Gen 5 SSD properly. It's, they're probably it, it's probably good enough for the, for them even for them with Gen Four speeds. Oh, right now. Can you imagine right. how good Flappy Bird would be on PS Six <laughs> with uh, all that all that bandwidth? The textures available? would all just be like real, yeah, real life. That'd be sick. But yeah, it's. It, I mean, think about that. Gen Four drives were out for a, a fair decent amount of time, and just console gaming in general has been around for a pretty long time, number of years. Where even if it was SSD equipped. It was nowhere near taking advantage of that full bandwidth. And just now, or, well, past months or, you know, up to a year, but, like, just in recent time, we get a console that can do the full bandwidth or almost the full bandwidth, right? So think of how long it took to get to that state. Yeah. And now you've just doubled, like, you just moved the goalpost, you know, double, you know, another football field hmm. away, right? So I don't, you know, we need some time for all the other stuff to catch up <laughs> again before you start seeing everything just start wanting to use a Gen 5 SSD, right? And just keep in mind the Gen 6 is around the corner, so everything we just said <laughs> will be irrelevant in probably 12 months. So Maybe, yeah. That's the fun part. I mean, this cycle right now, innovation cycle is super quick. Yeah. Just the thought of potentially getting down to an SSD that'll do still do like 6 or 7 gig per second, but be one lane. And be mainstream value in its positioning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, could potentially be just like a value, like not even a full length M.2. Like BGA. Or, yeah, or a BGA or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, could be. Like that's, I mean, things will eventually get there anyway. We know it. Like, it'd be silly to say it wouldn't get there. Right. <laughs> based on history, right? Right, yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be like some budget, you know, $100 Walmart special laptop or something. And it'll have, you know, one lane of Gen 6. At some point, right, it might be. Eight years from now, but but that's clearly the direction. Yeah, yeah. Because what you know, why would you? And at that point, your display will be back to the most expensive component on those value builds, probably. Could could be. But then there'll be you know quantum dots and OS <laughs> and all the other things. Will be all right. coming. I'm not talking to you anymore because we'll keep going for too long. <laughs> you can, I can wrap it all day for, for everyone else. <laughs> Thank Alan or not for coming by. <laughs> if more than 16 of you watch or listen to this, then maybe we'll have him back and talk more about quantum dots and in the, in the phase two. But until then, thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.